Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The North Texas Panoramic Vision class was established in the year of 2021. In this class, we use the true, correct, original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title. But unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. This means that Elohim is a title that our Creator chose for Himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in any good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1600 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit. And in this state, he is inscrutable and incomprehensible. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart. To show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within this pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the Word or Son, a super incorporeal being, that is, having the shape and form of a man but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be obtained by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe 
it is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, the holy place, and a court out sorry, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes this pattern. The primary constitutional objectives and aims of the Institute are as follows. First aim, to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second aim, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without the distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third aim, to investigate the unexplained spirit law, or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth aim, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Fifth aim, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons, operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained there is no other name given among men, whereby man must be saved, saving the name Yahshua the Messiah. Tenth, to inherit, tenth, to inherit eternal life now, in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the newer state. Today is February the 5th, 2023. And our prayer for today will be from Dr. Deborah Williams from the North Texas class. Hello, everyone. May we bow our hearts and minds for prayer. Yahweh, our Heavenly Father, maker of all things, we come to you today with an open heart and open mind to hear your teaching once again. All right. Give us understanding, Father, and purpose so that we can put on our whole armor today so that we can stand our grounds against the spiritual forces of evil. Father, we thank you for the speakers today. Seal our minds now so that we can be a minister to others. These are the blessings in your name, Yahshua the Messiah. And we all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Our song will be by Dr. Gary Williams from the Orlando, Florida class. Good afternoon. Gary will be doing dedication today. It's more precious than fortune of me. Everything that I that I need, thank you for something so that I can not by works, but by your grace. So thank you for you are able to me. One, two, three, 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our scripture lesson will be Colossians, the first chapter, read by Dr. Jackie McCain from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Good afternoon. Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one, I'll be reading from a Scofield King James Bible and certainly true and correct name. Paul, an apostle of Yahshua the Messiah by the will of Yahweh and Timothy, our brother, to the sons and faithful brethren in the Messiah, which are at Coloss, grace be unto you and peace from Yahweh our Father and the Savior, Yahshua the Messiah. We give thanks to Yahweh and the Father of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in the Messiah, Yahshua, and of the love which ye have to all the sons, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of Yahweh in truth. As ye also learned of Eph Ephesus, I brought our dear, excuse me, Ephraim Ephesus, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of the Messiah, who also declared unto us your love in the spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that ye might walk worthy of Yahweh unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of Yahweh, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the sons in light, who have delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Who is the image of the invisible El, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him, all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the assembly, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. 
For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you, that were sometime alienated and enemies in your own mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my suffering for you, and fill up that which is behind of the affliction of the Messiah in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the assembly, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of Yahweh, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of Yahweh. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his sons, to whom Yahweh would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is the Messiah in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Yahshua the Messiah, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. That was Colossians chapter one. Hallelujah. 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 Our scripture readers for today are Dr. Jackie McCain from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and Dr. Lucy Altman from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Our second reader will be Dr. Peg Trevison from Syracuse, New York. Today we will have a three speaker format. It is an honor and a pleasure to call on our first speaker, Dr. Kenyatta Parks from the Charlotte, North Carolina class. Good evening or good afternoon. Brother, can you hear me okay? Yes. Yep, you're good. Yes. Okay, I'm on a new device here, but uh, I'm always happy to be able to break a little bread with the brethren and to share a testimony and what Yahshua has given me down at the end of an age. And I certainly did enjoy the prayer, the song, and the scripture lesson as well. And so we find out, man, for the first time that we can know something for a surety about our Heavenly Father. We find out for the first time that there is a prescribed measure and that there's a standard in operation for eternal life. And we didn't know that because we were all deceived. 
the whole world was deceived. So now we gather, we preach, and we find out why in the scripture lesson, it talks about that mystery, Colossians 1 and 26. Read that for me, please. Colossians 1 and 26. Even the mystery, which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his sons, to whom Yahweh would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is the Messiah in you, the hope of glory. Okay, so we want to share with you this mystery. And why is it a mystery? And that it was hid. It was hid to whom Yahweh would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is the Messiah in you. Well, why is that a mystery? And so when we find out for the first time since the whole world was deceived, then we can share with you that there is a hope that's laid up for you for eternal life now in a present kingdom age. So if the whole world was deceived, then he's going to have to, it just necessitates the creator of heaven and earth to come down and to give us an understanding. So I want you to know, first of all, that that is exactly what the creator of heaven and earth has done, that he has always let men know what must be done for eternal life so that there are no TCOs or there's no CTOs, no one's concept, theory, and opinion about eternal life. So we wanna introduce that to you. There is a prescribed measure. There is a way of worshiping him. So we find out that, oh my goodness, now in this present kingdom age, there's a whole lot that's going on. The world is telling you that Jesus is coming back real soon, but we wanna let you know, know that he is here now and that he has worked out our soul salvation. So let me have where he talks about, I'll go and prepare a place for you. And hopefully what I'd like to do is get up to the kingdom. Um, there is never enough time. We'll be learning in ages to come but we do have a testimony to share. So let me have that. That's John 14. Right. John 14 and? One. One, okay. No, I want 14. where I go to. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in Yahweh, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Okay, so hold it right there. So the world, they're still on that. They're saying that Jesus has gone away to prepare, prepare a place for you. And they don't think that he has come back. They have no idea that he has come back and that place that he has prepared for us is to be a son in him. So when he's talking about, I go away to prepare a place for you, that preparation that he has prepared is the, his death, 
his burial and his resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I go and prepare a place for you that he has came in. He's ordained everything from the foundation of the world. He came in and set up everything, everything pointed unto him, to the law and to the prophet. They speak not according to this word, then there's low light in them. So we find out that Jesus was back there with Moses and it wasn't Jesus, it was Yahshua. We know the moderator who really is the first speaker, they go into that and they tell you that. And so we know that Jesus was back there with Moses or Yahshua was back there with Moses working out our soul salvation, setting up everything, and then came in and fulfilled what he had set up for us for soul salvation, because we couldn't work out. We couldn't work out our soul salvation. We couldn't pay for it. We couldn't, uh, um, you know, as a church with the tithing and involved in a lot of things that they do, for the world, which is fine, but that has nothing to do with soul salvation. Those are our reasonable services in regards to being nice to people. You know, that's what we are supposed to do, but there is a prescribed measure of how he worked out our soul salvation. So he set everything up and then he came in and fulfilled it. We didn't know that. And we didn't know that. First of all, I want you to know that this is not uh, something that we have come up with on our own. As I said, that the whole world was deceived. We can pick that up in Revelations. Um, and maybe we should read that because I did not know that I was deceived. So let me have Revelations real quick. And just that part where it talks about the whole world was deceived. Revelations 12 and twelve and 10. And I heard a lot who deceived the whole world. Yes. Okay. Revelations 12 and 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Okay, so the whole world was deceived. So we were part of that. So the creator of heaven and earth, as I said, it always necessitated him to come down, give man an understanding and let them know what must be done for soul salvation. He's always done that at the end of an age. He let uh, Noah know he had a vision in Revelation and he let him know to build a, a, an ark. You know, Moses had a, a divine vision and revelation in building that tabernacle. And so then our founder at the end of an age, he said he had a divine vision and revelation and to make me prove it until you're satisfied. So those are the charts that you see before you. So here it is a prescribed measure. It's not our concept, theory, and opinion. So if he has, the creator of heaven has come down and given us an understanding then what are you talking about? What is this all about for eternal life? So we find out for the first time that he came in and he was back there with Moses as Joshua, Moses' minister. He let him know 
that uh, talked about make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among you. So he's always wanted to dwell among us, but these are just pipes and shadows. But the reality of it was that he was going to put it in our hearts and our minds. That's why we're giving thanks unto the Father. So we know that what the whole world was deceived. We talk about uh, with Adam, if we can pick that up real quick and, and then stay with the uh, uh, mosaic chart here. But let me just pick up Adam uh, was deceived. Uh, Romans 5 and 21. Adam was not deceived. Oh, Romans 5. I'm sorry. Um, Adam was not deceived. Adam willingly laid his life down for his bride. Eve, the woman, was deceived. And so Adam just points to Yahshua Messiah who willingly laid his life down for us because the whole world was deceived. So really that Adam really pointed to the true Adam, which is Yahshua Messiah. So I'm just trying to show you how the whole world was deceived. And then when we pick up with Adam, where it talks about that. And let me have, let me get to it real quick. Um, Timothy 2? No, I want Romans. Form then uh, e. Oh, Romans. Romans 5.14. Yes, that will, that'll be good. Romans 5.14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Okay, so as we talked about that, everything pointed unto the creator of heaven and earth. He broke himself down and we didn't know he was back there setting up everything that he had already ordained from the foundation of the world. So we see that Adam willingly died for his bride. That's just pointing to Yahshua Messiah who willingly died. Now pick up the 21st verse. 21 that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Yahshua Messiah, our master. Okay, so all of that pointed to him. So now we find out, we find out that what he was doing, the world tells you that when we asked about God, when I was in uh, uh, a Baptist church and would want to know about the creator of heaven and earth. Who is God? God is spirit. Well, what is spirit? Spirit is God. So they couldn't tell you anything about the creator of heaven and earth, but we're letting you know he's come down. He's given us an understanding. He set up everything back then, and then he came in and fulfilled it. The world is saying that he's setting up a Christian example for us to follow. No, he's already set it up. Now he's coming in to fulfill what he has ordained from the foundation of the world. So when we pick up, and we'll pick up a few scriptures that's pertaining that he came in and fulfilled that. Let me have Luke uh, 24 and uh, 25. Luke 24 and 25. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Messiah have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? 
And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Okay, so we talked about how he was back there with Moses. And it says, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. You know, when they were given that law, he really is the true law. So the law that was given to them, it just magnified sin and let them know that they needed a savior. So that was all set up, but it's all pointing to him back there with Moses. So then pick it up for me in 44, 45. 44. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Okay, then, once again. Okay, then, yeah, that's important. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Okay, so he, again, he's telling them because even the, his uh, apostles, they didn't know what he's doing, but he's telling them that he's coming in to fulfill what was set up or ordained. We find out for the first time that the word fulfill means to complete, to finish, to bring to an end, to translate into reality, the true law. Now he's gonna put his spirit in our heart, in our mind. Now we find out what his mission was, why he was doing all this, why he was fulfilling everything that he had already set up because we couldn't keep the law. We could not work out our own soul, soul salvation. So he's saying the same thing. We pick it up in 5 and 17 and 18. Can you read that for me real quick? I didn't understand what you said. Uh, I can read it. Matthew 5, 17 and 18. Okay. Okay. Think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one yacht or the smallest part of a letter shall in no wise turn from the law to all be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So everything he's fulfilling what he has already set up. So that's why he says, search the scriptures. Can you pick up John 5 and 39 for me? And can you guys hear me okay? Mm -hmm. Yep, no, I can. Okay. John 5, 39, yes. search the scriptures for in them, you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. Okay, you so you search the scriptures for in them, you think you have eternal life, but they mm -hmm. are they which testify of me, read on. And you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men but I know you that you have not the love of Yahweh in you. I am come in my father's name and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. Okay, so he's telling you that he's coming in his father's name, but you, you, if another comes in his name, then him you'll receive. So the whole world has received Jesus. But mm -hmm. salvation is only in the name of Yahshua the Messiah. The moderator has talked about that. We know mm -hmm. that the letter J is the newest letter in our alphabet today. It didn't come in until some 400 years after his death. Mm 
So it's a possibility for his name to have been Jesus. We, we talk about these things. We know that there's no letter J in the Hebrew, Greek, or Latin alphabet today. But eternal life is in the name of Yahshua Messiah. So he's telling you, you're searching the scriptures, we'll go back and we'll pick up something if we're having a bad day and, and we'll read it. But we had no idea. All of that is pointing to our savior and how he set it all up, came in and fulfilled everything. Mm -hmm. All the carnal ordinances, he nailed them to the cross and he moved it out of the way and has translated us into his kingdom. Mm -hmm. So now in this present kingdom age, we're finding out what he has done for us. And so when we, we read in Hebrews um, 11 and 7 and, and 12, you can pick that up for me real quick. Huh. Hebrews 7 and 12 says, For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. For okay. he. Uh -huh. So if the priesthood, for the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. So back there with all these carnal ordinances and we have that high priest operating in and out of this tabernacle that just pointed to Yahshua Messiah. He's the true high priest operating in and out of at that time when they didn't know what he was doing. He was operating in and out and letting, you know, the, the prophets spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. But now in this present kingdom age, he has put his spirit in us and we are permanently placed. So if there's been a change, now there's also a change in that priesthood. So now we must worship him in spirit and in truth because he's come and he has fulfilled everything that he has ordained. So we pick it up, we find out when he says, it is finished in John 19 and 30. And I'm sorry if I, uh, you know, as I said, we're on a, a time frame here and I'm sorry if I'm not, uh, if I'm moving too fast and if I interrupt you, but I can only give you what Joshua has given unto me. So John uh, 19 and 19 30. 30, yes. When Yahshua therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Okay, so it says when he had received the vinegar, that he bowed his head and that he gave up the ghost. What is finished? His life? No. He said, I go and prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. He is finished that he has worked out our soul salvation by now putting his spirit in us. We mm -hmm. thought it was the church on the corner where we're to worship him, but now he has made us members of his body. That's the true church or congregation, and he's the head. So it's finished that he's worked out our soul salvation. 
He was going to put a spirit in us. It just magnified sin. Jeremiah 31, 31, if I can have that real quick. And then uh, I want um, uh, John 4 and 23. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, said Yahweh. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, said Yahweh, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their Elohim, and they shall be my people. Okay, so he's telling you that he's going to put it in our hearts and our mind. This law was given to the Jews. It was given to the Jews only. And really, in this present kingdom age, that law was not given to us. We are part of that promise that was given unto Abraham. Abraham was not under this law. This law was given to magnify sin and let them know they needed a savior. So he fulfilled all that, moved it out of the way. And we can still read a little bit of it in Galatians 3. And let me have Galatians 3 and 10 through uh, 13. Galatians 3 and 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, curse is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of Yahweh. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. Okay, and so the just is going to live by faith, not by this ceremonial law. Read on. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Messiah hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, curse is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Yahshua the Messiah, that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. Okay, so we're going to receive that promise of the spirit through faith. That's through Yahshua Messiah putting his spirit in us. That is by his death, his burial and resurrection and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So we find out that truly is what the gospel is. I thought it was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And let's pick that up. First Corinthians 15 and one through four. I thought it was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. No. No, it's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to let you know what the gospel is. It's his death, burial, and resurrection, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He paid the cost to be the boss. He came in and redeemed us, our sins, fulfilled everything, moved it out of the way for us to have eternal life. So let's read what the gospel is because we have definitions that are in our Bible. And I didn't, I didn't know that. We didn't know that because we were all deceived. The whole world was. 
So let's pick up the definition of what the gospel is. First Corinthians 15, 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Yahshua died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Okay, so we find out that how the Messiah died for our sins, according to the scriptures. As mm -hmm. I said, there's a prescribed measure. There's a standard in operation. So he was back there with Moses. He's telling you about how he died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Read on. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Mm -hmm. and that okay. he was seen of Cephas and then of the 12 okay thank you so we find out that truly is the gospel so then we are able to come together and to learn of him because we find out that through his death burial and resurrection outpouring of his holy spirit that brings in Pentecost into this present kingdom age so we find out now what the gospel is but then we also find out why it's eternal life to know him so let's pick that up john 17 1 through 3 john 17 and 1 these words spake yashua and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said father the hour is come glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee as thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Okay. And this, Go ahead. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true Elohim and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. Okay, so we just read the definition of what eternal life is, is to know him. <clears throat> to know who? to know Yahshua Messiah. How are we going to do that? We find out that Yahweh broke himself down as Yahweh and also took it a step further. He's also Elohim with the whole creation is created or patterned after and then took a step further and broke himself down as Yahshua Messiah. See, that is our savior. Why? Because through him, he's been giving power over all flesh which is eternal life which is to know him and so that's why we're saying giving thanks unto the father who has delivered us out of the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son and so we find out for the first time that we can have eternal life we can have eternal life. We can know something about him. If all power has been given unto him and the whole world was deceived and it's only through that Holy Spirit that we're able to understand anything. Because remember, when we pick up in Matthew 11 and 27, it talks about what? No man knows the Father. The Father, the creator of heaven and earth, 
He's inscrutable, incomprehensible, the limits of bounds and substance of source of all things. We can't understand him in that state. So then he broke himself down. And the only one who knows anything about the father is the son and whomsoever the son will reveal him unto. And that's by having his spirit in us. So we'll pick that up real quick um, about no one knows anything about the father, but the son. Matthew eleven twenty seven, All things are delivered unto me of my father and Thank no you. man knoweth the son, but the father. Neither knoweth any man the father, save the son and he to whomsoever the son will reveal him. Thank you, I see the sign. Okay, so no one doesn't know anything about the father except for the son, okay? And the son is the only one who knows about the father. And so the only way that you're gonna be able to understand anything about the father is through the son. So in, for you to understand anything, it has to be through the outpouring of his Holy Spirit, many members making up that one body and now worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Let me have that in John um, 4, 23 and 24. John 4 and 23. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the father in spirit and in truth. For the father seeketh such to worship him. Yahweh is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay, so that's our requirement. It says that he is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And so this is what's going on in this present kingdom age. And it's a present kingdom age because by having his spirit in us, then that puts us in the kingdom which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when we pick up Ephesians 2, um, start at 1, and we'll have to skip around a little bit. Ephesians 2 and 1. Ephesians 2, 1. And you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in this children of disobedience, mm -hmm. among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Mm -hmm. But Yahweh, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Yahshua. By grace, ye are saved. Okay, so now it's grace and mercy. Uh, he's quickened us together. And how, how did he do that? Read the sixth verse. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Yahshua Messiah, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Yahshua Messiah. Okay, so now we're able to gather and we're sitting in him. He's the head of the body, many members making up that one body. 
that's the church, that's the assembly, that's the congregation. That's where the cleaning up comes from. That's when he has given us his heart. There's been that change that the law just magnified and let them know they needed a savior. But now to be a part of that through his spirit, then he is revealing unto you He's leading and he's guiding you. He's given you an understanding that you can worship him in spirit and truth right now. So you can't work out your own soul, soul salvation. So the 15th verse, it talks about, um, read that for me in uh, Ephesians. And having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto Elohim in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Okay, so through fulfilling all that, and so we had no idea that it was enmity towards Yahweh to try to worship him, a uh, 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 carnal mind is enmity. We had no idea. No, we have to give him all the honor, the glory, and the praise because he has paid the pause, mm -hmm. paid the price to be the boss and has come down and has gathered us together, allowing us to sit in heavenly places, working out our soul salvation. So we're on a journey for eternal life. We do have some place to go and we are going to have to examine ourselves and know that we have to get this off the charts, this gospel is an experience. So when he came in and fulfilled everything, he also fulfilled, if he fought every battle, we read where he fought every battle with Moses back there as Joshua, which we know is Joshua, then we have to see the reality of that. He's also fulfilled that in us. He's fighting our every battle right now. He's leading and guiding us right now now he has given us his heart now so all we can say is that we were blind but now we see so there's a lot going on in this present kingdom age and i am so thankful that yashua the scripture lesson has delivered us out of the power of darkness and translated us into his dear son or into that kingdom so, um, oh my goodness, we have a place to go and we have, we know that wherever we're going through or whatever we need, then Yahshua's going to take care of it because he set it all up and he fulfilled it. So if you got anything out of that, all honor and praise goes for only Savior, Yahshua Messiah. Hallelujah. 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 It is an honor and a pleasure to call on our second speaker, Dr. Bonnie Snyder, Dean of the Arcourt New York class. Well, good afternoon, good evening. Good evening. Can everybody hear me okay? Yep. Yes. Good. Um, I have enjoyed the comments from the first speaker and um, I'm happy and glad that we have a guest with us uh, for the second time. and. Um, you, just to start out with, you have come to the right place. Um, we teach things in this school that are not commonly taught in the world. And they are very important, as you've heard a lot of things that have been opened up already. 
Um, what I'd like to do is I'm going to go back a little bit. Uh, let's go back to John 17 and 3, please. John 17 and 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true Elohim, and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. Okay, so eternal life then is that you might know. So it is possible that you do know something about the creator. And see, there's a doctrine in the world. In fact, there's many doctrines in the world um, that tell you that you can't know. You know, just, a, you know, a very simple example of that is um, when a kid gets a dictionary, and I just got a dictionary because one of my little grandchildren have a dictionary that they've started using a dictionary. They give it to them in grammar school. And it's an abridged, on a, yeah, it's an abridged dictionary. So they've taken some of the words out of that dictionary. And they took the name Yahweh out of that dictionary. <laughs> and, it's, and so it, it's not important to them because they don't know. And it's not important that anybody knows in their eyesight. That's just an example of how easy it is to be thinking that you don't need to know. But actually, if you look at, if anything in the scriptures, and we do use the scriptures, and I'm going to get into why we use the scriptures, but we do use the scriptures. And if you go in the scriptures, there is no place in this written in, in the Old Testament or the so-called New Testament or the any place in your Bible where he says, this is the creator I'm talking about now, Yahweh Elohim Yahshua, where he says that his name is not important, not one place, you understand? Yeah. And that it's not to be revered and that it's not to be declared. It is supposed to be declared. It's right. supposed to be revealed. He made a commandment, one of the big 10, you know, 10 commandments, which everybody knows. Let's get that Exodus 20 verse 7. Please. But you can know. And that's the point. Um, and I'm just going to I'm, I'm going to do the best I can just to bring some of this up, bring some of the stuff up. You can know. Exodus 20 and 7. Go ahead, Pat. Thou shalt not take the name of Yahweh the Elohim in vain, for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless to take his, his name in vain. Right. Okay, would you read that verse out of a King James Version, and then we'll reread it out of this one. King okay. James mm -hmm. Go ahead. Read. Okay. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Okay, well, now I tell you something that I've learned in this school, that the Lord is a title, God is a title. They are not names. Now, when he wrote this, he did not have in there the Lord thy God in vain. What he had was what we read originally. Yahweh, okay, go back to the original one. Thou shalt not take away the name of Yahweh the Elohim and to bring it to naught for uh -huh. Yahweh will not hold him guiltless that taketh away his name to bring it to naught. He's not going to hold him. In other words, you're going to be guilty if you take his name in vain right. or you bring it to naught or you bring it to nothing. And I'll tell mm -hmm. you, one of the ways to bring it to nothing is never use it and right. never think in your mind that it's important. Now that's bringing mm -hmm. that name to in vain. You understand? All right, so these are some of the things you can know. So we can know something about the name. But I want to go back to the vision part of this. 
I want to, I don't know, Connor, if you have a copy of the moderation or if you just know it by heart and you read it, but I want you to, if you have it, read the second, because she already said that the moderator was the first speaker. And I want to go back to some of the things in our moderation and explain them, because it's right out and tells you exactly what we stand for. And we want you to know what we stand for in the school. If you see the things that we're talking about, you will never again be the same. You, you see, if you see this thing, the way that he taught this to us, and the Holy Spirit is the teacher. It's not any big person around here that does all the teaching. The Holy Spirit, which is within, this is an inside job. If you yeah. ever know and understand this, you're going to understand it from within. He's going to teach you from within your own soul. He's going to teach you from within. You understand? It's our responsibility to give you the information. But he's the one that does the teaching. And he's the one that gives does the saving. All right. So can we read the second um, paragraph in the moderation, please? This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational. Second paragraph. This school was established as the result? Yes. This class was established as a result of a divine vision and divine revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. Okay, so I just wanna talk about this vision for a minute. This school was established. The school that we're teaching about right now was established in way back in 1931, he started teaching this stuff but it was established as the result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder. So the, the founder of this organization had a divine vision and revelation right from Yahweh himself. That's why this stuff is different than any place in the world. But you know what? If you knew something about your Bible, you'd know that that's how they had, that's how the whole Bible is written. Mm -hmm. And I just wanna get a couple of places to show you this. If you look back and she's got this Moses chart, which is great. And I want you to try to look at the chart while I'm saying things, because this is the vision drawn out. This is what we have here. And what you have is you see Moses laying down here. You see this cloud here. You see Moses. Moses is having a vision. Yahweh Elohim, that's that figure right there. Yahweh Elohim is, is giving Moses a vision. And he's showing him that he is the arch, this is the name of this chart, Elohim, the archetype original pattern of the universe. He's showing him that he's a pattern and he's showing him that he's the creator of heaven and earth. So all these days of creation is what Moses is seeing in the vision. It's coming from a vision. Go ahead, one of the readers, get me Proverbs. Is it 28, 19 or 29 where, where, where there's no vision, all right? And then you also have over here, if you look on the other side, you have John on the Isle of Patmos. That's John that wrote the book of Revelation. All right. And he's having a vision. You see the light there? That's showing you that he's having a vision of Yahweh Elohim. And I just like to say this before I go any further, because I can see. Let me go back. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop and go back a little bit. Get me John 1 1, please. John 1 and 1. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, that's the word. And the now, word the beginning was, was the word in the beginning mm -hmm. of what in the beginning of the vision that he's having. 
He sees this word of Yahweh. And anybody that has a vision, that's what they're looking at. They're seeing Yahweh Elohim. He's presenting himself as the archetype original pattern. All right. So in the beginning was this word of Yahweh and the word, keep reading. And the word was with Yahweh and the, and word, the word was, was with Yahweh. Yahweh and Yahweh. You don't know it unless you put these things together according to the way that this teaching is. Yahweh is spirit. You see what that is on the chart? Yahweh is spirit. Spirit is attributes such as wisdom, intelligence, knowledge, love, beauty, justice, foundation, power, and strength. And these attributes take on a super incorporeal shape and form. And he is the one. So it's the spirit of Yahweh in a shape and a form appearing unto Moses. It's the spirit of Yahweh in a shape and a form appearing unto John on the Isle of Patmos. He also appeared unto all the prophets. And we can pick it up. We're not going to take the time to do it. But you can find that he, that's what appeared unto them. That's what that vision is. See, he has a vision. And we're, I'm saying this because Dr. Kim, this school was established on the vision. And I want to say this. This is the self-same vision that yeah. Moses had, that John had, that our founder had. In fact, he made this statement. I did not come in to disagree with what was written in the law and the testimony and what Moses had written and what John had written. I came in to agree with them and to confirm that it was right. Now that's something, isn't it? I, I think it's beautiful. <laughs> All right, it's hard on these things because you don't have anybody say, that's right. All right, so anyway. <laughs> I know that there's people out there saying that's right. <laughs> um, okay, so could you please get me uh, the, the uh, one about vision? Get me Habakkuk 2 and 2 also. Proverbs 29:18. Yep. Now, don't forget what we're doing. I'm trying to show you something about this vision. And I also want you to get me, I know I wanted another verse there, but I want you to get me uh, 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. Go ahead and read. Read this one first. Jackie, Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no prophetic vision, the people perish. But he now, where there's no prophetic, isn't that important? Think about this. And this, see, when he wrote this, they didn't write down what they were thinking. They didn't just arbitrarily pick stuff, walk, take a walk and dream stuff up. They had a vision. That's how your Bible is put together. They, Yahweh Elohim came unto them and told them what to write down in a book. And we can run it, we can tell you over and over and over again, right where it is where he told them to write things down. He told them to write down, he told Moses, write things, these things down in the book. He told Jeremiah, write these things down in the book. You understand? He told them, write these things down. The vision was to write down. It's what Yahweh was communicating through, that vision to mankind. He always has communicated through a vision and revelation. So it should be no great thing, even though it was, <laughs> to all of us. And it is if you're just hearing it for the first time or the second time or the third, you know, if you're just hearing it, that it came from a vision. It didn't come from a man. This has nothing to do with the mind of a man. In fact, we make this bold statement in this class. This is the only organization in the world. And I'm talking about the ones that teach Dr. Kidley's vision, the way it was delivered unto us. This is the only organization in the world that is not, you hear me? Not 
the product of a man's mind. It is the product of Yahweh Elohim coming to a man and telling him how he is and how he actually exists. And then he had the responsibility of teaching us. And he did teach us. And some of us are a witness that he did teach. Mm -hmm. He taught us. Okay, read that again. I won't, I'll try not to interrupt you. Read. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people perish. Now, where but, there's no prophetic vision, the people are going to perish. Mm -hmm. Read. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Okay, go to that next verse that I want. Habakkuk, please. Habakkuk mm -hmm. 2 2. And yeah, well, start at one. I will stand my watch. And okay, just, just a second before you start. Get the other chart, get the elementary chart, if you could, for this one. And then go ahead and read, Peg. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me. And, and you know what, what Dr. Finley said about this particular verse? We do well to be like Habakkuk and stand and just watch and see <laughs> what Yahweh is going to say to us. That's what he said. And, it, you know, it makes perfect sense. We don't come up and think about these things on our own. They have to be shown to us. See, everything that he's shown to us, everything that was taught to us was for our good and our learning. But anyway, I'm not going to go on to that. But just read, start reading again, please, Peg. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and mm -hmm. will to see what he will say to me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And Yahweh answered me and said, So now Yahweh Elohim is answering Habakkuk. And he's answering. This is Yahweh speaking to a man. We want to listen up when Yahweh's speaking, you know. Go ahead and read. And said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables. Now he said, write the vision. Write this vision that I'm showing you. And make it plain upon tables. And tables are an arrangement. See how this... This chart right here is arranged, and hopefully somebody, if I don't have a chance to get it, somebody will get into it for you. It's an arrangement of the, of the history of Yahweh working through the creation with history. You see, you've got, you've got, starts out with Adam, and you got Adam, and Noah, and Abraham, and Isaac, and the children of Israel, and the tabernacle pattern. It's an arrangement of plates. You understand? And he said, write this vision and make it plain. You know what plain is? <laughs> it's clear. When you see the things that he has done and it's, and it's taught clear according to the way that he laid it down by this tabernacle pattern and by the vision, it is clear. You don't have to scratch your head and say, is it that way or not? It's clear. <laughs> you understand? And I might just have to go this way because I'm being told to go this way. But all right, uh, keep reading what I wanted. Keep reading, please. Write and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. So make it plain upon these tables that he may run that readeth it. And I just want to again tell you what Dr. Kinley said. Most of the time when he was repeating something about this verse, and he got these verses like this all the time, you know. And this is what he said. And you have, there's transcripts you can read. There's transcripts you can hear his voice with these things and see how he taught this thing. And I would suggest that you listen to them. You can learn on them. You, you just, it's, it's just amazing the things that you can learn. All right. So anyway, um, he what, read that again and I'll tell you what he said about it. 
And we now experience yeah. God write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. Read. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though okay, so when he said when he said when he talked about this verse and he said he may run that readeth it. You get right run, up and run out of them churches. The vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak. Okay, is everybody okay? Whatever, come up. So anyway, what he said was you'd get up and you'd run right out of them churches. Hmm. That's He may run that readeth it. That's what he said about it. All right? Because, you know, well, no, I'm going to leave that alone. But go ahead. Keep reading. So read from there. And read the rest. For the of vision it. is yet for an appointed time. Oh, the vision it, is yet for an appointed time, and we can get into ages. And we hope that you come back. We 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 beg you to come back. <laughs> We'd love to have you come back. And anybody that that would listen to this great truth, and take the time to investigate it, and see is it right or wrong. You can be given the information. You can weigh it yourself, and you can decide. For yourself, see? All right, keep reading, please. But Dr. at the end, it shall speak and not lie. At the end, this vision that has been given to mankind from the beginning, it's going to speak and it's not going to lie. You understand? So we are at the end and this vision is speaking now. We're at the last two end, we're in the last days of the creation and that vision is speaking and it ain't lying. In fact, mm -hmm. Yahweh can't lie. You understand? That's one of the things you can find out about him. Yahweh can't lie. All right. Um, did I want one more on Oh, yeah. I want First uh, Peter or Second Peter 2. Second Peter 2 and start at 1. 20. Oh, sorry. Second Peter 2 and 20. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world. Is it one first Peter? I want where the holy men were moved by the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, first Peter. Okay, I'm sorry. No problem. That was a good one too. First Peter one and oh yes, my dear. Second Peter 1 and 19 and 20. Thank you. Right. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. All right. But now Peter's writing at the self-same age that we're in right now. And he's saying, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture, nothing written in the law, nothing written in the prophets, and those are our documented witnesses. And you can find that out in Isaiah 8 and 20. To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, there's no light in them. And Yahshua said he's the light of the word world. There's no Yahshua in them. There's no mourning in them. There's no resurrection in them. If they speak not according to the law and the testimony. You understand? But he's saying this about that. Let's see what Peter says about it again. Go ahead and read. Second Peter 1 and 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Right. The not in old time, 
about now the listen, women. Listen to what she's reading. For the prophecy and also the law back there came not in old time, read. By the will of man. By the will of man. Read on. But holy men of Yahweh. Holy men of Yahweh. Moses, you understand? He wrote as he was moved by the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah right. wrote as he was moved by the Holy Spirit. That's how your Bible came together. Keep reading. But holy men of Yahweh spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So it was the Holy Spirit that wrote the law and the testimony. And then if you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, we have this kind of thing about, well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's not the New Testament. Correct. It is not the New Testament. But you know what it is? It's an account of the eyewitnesses seeing what Yahshua the Messiah did. Yahshua the Messiah went through a death, burial, and resurrection. But before that, he taught them for three and a half years. And he was born. And they, this is an account of his birth, from his birth till his death. And there's a lot in there. And he's fulfilling. And she was already talking about what he was doing. He was fulfilling what was written back in the law and in the testimony. And so when you pick up in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John what Yahshua the Messiah was doing. For example, let me get one example and show it to you. When John pointed him out as the Lamb of Yahweh, he said, behold, not, you know, uh, we'll look at it if you want to take a look or, you know, whatever. He said, behold, the Lamb of Yahweh, which taketh away the sin of the world. You understand that? So when he's pointed out as the Lamb of Yahweh, right there, is where there's a death sentence on him. Go back to the other chart, please. That's where you, you have your death sentence on him. So you have that lamb, him, him being pointed out as the lamb of Yahweh. This is that plate right there in plate six, I think it is. All right, if you go in the tabernacle pattern and we'll get into the tabernacle pattern more and more, see, because everything goes by this threefold tabernacle pattern. So in the pattern, a lamb died, two lambs died every day. That was, in the, that was in the priesthood back here with the tabernacle. There was an evening and a morning sacrifice. That lamb died. If you go here to the children of Israel on your next plate over, I'm going backwards, but if you go to the children of Israel and the migration of the children of Israel, the lamb, the Passover lamb, the Paschal lamb, he had to die. And he had to die before they could be delivered up out of Egypt. So a lamb died. You understand that? Lamb died, lamb died, lamb died. With Abraham and Isaac, you have... Uh, Abraham was told to offer up his son Isaac, and the lamb died instead of Isaac. Lamb died, lamb died, lamb died, lamb died. So when Yahshua the Messiah comes in, let's go to the plate on the bottom there. Mm -hmm. When Yahshua the Messiah comes in and he actually goes through his death, his burial, his resurrection, he he's going he died. And we can know it because the scriptures point out that the lamb died all the way along. You understand that? And so that's what you're looking at when you see this vision and the way that it's drawn out. All right. All right. Now let's go back to where I was, which I don't remember. <laughs> um, Second Peter, holy man of Yahweh's space. Okay, so yeah, I wanted to finish up that thing with the vision. So these are the things that were written about in this vision. You understand? All right. So I want to go and get me the next. I want to talk about the name first. Um, one, two, three. The fourth paragraph, please read there in the school. 
in this school, we teach the true, correct, and the original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. Okay, so I'd like to go back to the names chart where you were, if you could. Great, thank you. You're doing wonderful. I know it's hard when somebody goes around. All right, so this is our names chart, one of the names charts that we have. And on here at the very top, see in this school, this is what he's, this is what I'm trying to get across here. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name of the title, name and title of the Father, the Word of Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if you look right at the top of this chart, you've got Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim, Yahshua. That's the Father, the Word of Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for the most part, you know, people go in and get physically water baptized in the name of the Father. Never tell you what the name is because Lord and God ain't names, are not names. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, and in the name of the Son, they don't, and they might say, yeah, and the might say, uh, God, but that's not the name of the whole of the word or son. The word or son is Yahweh Elohim, or it's Yahweh in a super incorporeal shape and form. That's the word or son. See, that's the offspring of Yahweh. That's the son, the first son. All right. So you have Yahweh, the word or son, and the Holy Spirit. Now the false names and titles are down here on this chart. That's Lord or Lord God, Jesus, Jehovah. For one thing, there is no J in the English or there's no J in the English. There's no J in the Hebrew language till this day. He was born a Hebrew back there and when he was born. It was, it's absolutely, listen to the word now, absolutely impossible that his name could have been Jesus. It couldn't have been. It's impossible. There's no J in Hebrew. There's no J in Latin. There's no J in Greek. And those were the first writings. And mm -hmm. the letter J did not come into our English language until 300 years ago. Oh, five minutes. Okay, very good. Thank you. The letter J did not come in until till 300 years ago, three to, three to 400 years ago. So it was impossible. And what did they call him before then? Well, if you go back in history, you can find out that his name is Yahweh, Elohim, and Yahshua. And look at the bottom of this, because we talked about it already. In the beginning was the word. See how Yahweh is spirit? Everything mm -hmm. is within that spirit of Yahweh. Yahweh is pure spirit, takes on a super incorporeal shape and form, comes right down in the flesh. You also have the creation in there because he created the creation according to the pattern of himself. All right. All right. Now I want to skip real quick and go, go to Isaiah 28, 9 and 10. Just want to bring up one more thing. I could talk forever, but let's go ahead. and I'm done. <laughs> Thank you. And thank you for having me on here today. I appreciate it. Isaiah 28, 9 and 10 in the elementary chart. Whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Oh, remember that I told you, Tina left. Oh, no. Whom shall he teach? Whom shall huh? he teach knowledge? And whom, shall he... and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Whom is he going to teach? Because I talked about already that he was the only teacher. He's going to, and how is he going to make you understand doctrine? It's not like he takes you and shakes you and makes you that way. Sometimes we look at something funny. If you see something happen over and over and over again, that's how he's making you see it. 
-hmm. he repeats the thing over he repeats everything over and over and over again so i just want to run this chart quickly i want to start with the tabernacle pattern uh, in the tabernacle pattern which remember came from him that's him himself He's the archetype original pattern. And this tabernacle pattern is a breakdown of him. So you have in the, in the tabernacle a death on the altar, a burial in the labor, and a resurrection with the holy anointing oil. Death, burial, resurrection. In the migration of the children of Israel, you've got a death of the lamb before they could leave Egypt, the Paschal lamb, death. Burial in the parted waters of the Red Sea, burial. Resurrection to worship Yahweh at the mountain. Death, burial, resurrection right? If you go to Abraham and Isaac, Abraham was told to offer up Isaac. He was dead and buried in Abraham's old mine. That's a death and a burial. And the angel comes and stops him from killing his son. That's a resurrection. Death, burial, resurrection. So when Yahshua comes in, could we go to the bottom of the plates? When Yahshua comes in, he goes through his death, burial, and resurrection. See? He dies on the cross, and you know that he did it. You don't have any, see, because of the witnesses that you've seen and the repeating of it over and over again, you have something to have some divine belief in. You can believe it because it happened through the scriptures, see? And so when he goes through this death, he actually went through a death. He died for you. And that was the darkest three hours in the history of the world, folks, that when he was, anyway, I, I, it is something. His blood was running out in the whole earth plane turned dark yep. from the sixth to the ninth hour when his blood was leaving his body. That was the darkest day in history. And you know what Christianity calls it? Good Friday. Now, does that make sense? It does not make sense. See, you come down here and learn yourself something. And I hope, I, I, I see that she left, but I hope, I don't know why. And I hope that she saw something and comes back. But anyway, you have in here, Yahshua going through his death, his burial, his resurrection from the dead, ascension, and pours out the Holy Spirit. You understand? And so what you have is also along the bottom here, you have the, the Pentecost plate. I'm just going to keep running until it's my time that you can tell me I got to go. So um, this Pentecost plate, you have the, the when they broke bread and look at until they received that Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, they didn't understand what this was about. That's why it's in this plate. They did not understand when he broke bread and he passed around that blood that it was talking about him. They didn't know that. See, so that's that death. And then um, you have the water there. They washed the, He washed the disciples' feet. This was before, and they finally understand it. So that's death. That's water. That's burial. See. And they and the resurrection, they were resurrected. And you know, they resurrected in their hearts and in their minds. He promised through Abraham to give them the Holy Spirit. They didn't know what the promise was. And Yahshua told them back back there in the in like in Luke and in the back, the last chapters of Luke and the last chapter of John, go into Jerusalem and wait until you receive the promise and you receive power from on high. They didn't know what they were going to get, see, but they waited and they went and they did receive that Holy Spirit. Thank you very much for your time, patience. All praises go to Yahshua. Hallelujah. 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 It is an honor and a pleasure to call on our third speaker, Dr. Dennis Volpe, Dean of the Oceanside, California class.
He's muted. Oh, there he goes. Excuse me, was my name called? Yes, yeah. sir. Well, I, I'm sorry, but I couldn't. I can't hear a thing that Connor uh, said, even in the moderation. So I don't know if it's just my my earbuds or whatever. I'm sorry about that. I was here waiting to list, waiting for the person to be introduced. So I'm so sorry. Uh, well, uh, here's I, I, I'd kind of like to make a couple of comments here about things that have already been said that I think were nice, uh, excellent points. Um, first of all. Let's go to that scripture again. Uh, I don't remember where it was. Without a prophetic vision. If somebody could get that for me. Isaiah 28 and... Oh, no, that's not it. Proverbs 29, 18. Right. Mm -hmm. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. All right, let's talk about this this whole idea about a vision. Now, first of all, one of the unique things about this teaching that I think in the beginning when we were told this, most of us probably had either a negative reaction to this statement or uh, a skeptical reaction at best. And that is that when we heard that this teaching was the result of a man receiving a divine vision and revelation straight from the Creator, right away... Our thoughts went to, what are they talking about? This person, are they having a psychotic break? You know, how do they talk to God? That sort of thing. And I think a lot of people have reacted in that way simply because they do not know how the purpose of Yahweh works. Now, what the speakers have gotten into here, both the first and the second speaker, they're trying to show you a vision that was imparted to the founder of this organization. And... The beauty of this vision is not just that he claimed to have a vision. Of course, he told us to make him prove it to our satisfaction and that we shouldn't believe it unless we see the proof. Now, bottom line is what is really being proven along with the fact that Yahweh's doctrine can be understood when correctly put together using the scriptures, which we found out to be not the whole Bible, but the law and the prophets. Those are the scriptures. Now, we didn't know how to put those things or uh, take those things out of the Old Testament and cohesively bring these things together to show forth a principle of doctrine. Now, he had to teach us how to do that. Now, what the founder used to tell us is this. He said, I'm not telling you anything except what's in your Bible. He said, I want you to see that what you're being taught down here is in your Bible. Now, I have to say this as I thought about it. Very few religions have made the claim that the religion was based on or founded as the result of a vision. Now, I know the Seventh-day Adventist, uh, the woman that started that religion, claims that she had a vision. But she never said, let me prove it to you out of the scriptures or out of the Bible. Now, our founder went on to show us and express to us what was shown to him in the vision and how the Bible supports and witnesses to the doctrine that he is expressing in this teaching. And as much as you would think that it's in this day and age, nobody has visions. The truth is that no one that Yahweh has ever sent or set up a 
promise with was not done except by a vision. The vision was given to establish the authenticity of where this doctrine is coming from. And if you think about it, Yahweh appeared all the way down through the Bible. Yahweh Elohim, I want to correct myself, appeared all the way down through the Bible to various patriarchs and expressed to them what he wanted them to do. Uh, basically, let's talk about, we'll go right back to the flood with Noah. Now, Yahweh Elohim appeared to Noah to tell him that the end of all flesh has come before him. And that he gave him instructions on how to build a structure that happened to be threefold. That ark was a lower deck, a middle deck, and an upper deck, upper part. There were three parts to the ark. That structure became the basis of salvation, a simple threefold construction, nothing elaborate. On the outside, it was pitched, which means it was black. And there was nothing fancy about it. It wasn't like going on the Queen Mary or anything like that. This structure provided salvation for the elect that Yahweh had chosen. And the elect happened to be Noah and seven other members of his family. But Noah was first told, uh, somebody run over to, I think it's in Peter or it's in Hebrews, where it states that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. If you could find that for me. Second Peter two five. Thank you. Go ahead and read it wherever you think it should be picked up at Peg. Um, pick it up. Verse above four. For if Yahweh spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Now let's talk about that just for a minute. It said he was a preacher of righteousness. Now, we know that the only way that people have a concept of righteousness is that they look at what happened with Moses when the law was spoken in, the Ten Commandments and whatnot, what became a standard for righteousness under that first covenant. But now, everything that we're reading about Noah takes place before the covenant was made at Mount Sinai. Which means that if he was a preacher of righteousness, what was the righteousness about his preaching? In other words, what was it that he was preaching that was a preaching of righteousness? Well, what the righteousness was, and we know this is stated also, uh, just to use an example. When Yahweh told uh, Abraham that he would be the father of many nations... And that he came to him, uh, Yahshua walked up to him and told him and his wife that this time next year will you bear a son, or she'll, uh, Sarah will bear a son. Now, we know that they were elderly, they were well stricken in years, and it would be from our scientific back uh, uh, point of view that it would be impossible for this woman to bear a, a child. Now, Abraham believed Yahweh, and it says it was counted to him for righteousness. Now, what I want you to know is that Noah had to go out and preach something that people were required to believe. If they didn't believe it, then, of course, they would not 
be able to claim that they had this righteousness. Now, Noah believed Yahweh. First of all, why did he believe him? Because Yahweh showed him a vision. And he was out preaching the vision, telling the people in the world, warning them that the world was going to be ended by a massive deluge or flood. And Dr. Kinley told us that when, you know, it was 120 years from the time that he received the vision till the time that the flood came. Now, yeah, Dr. Kinley talked about how when Noah began to go out and preach that the world was going to be destroyed by a blood, he said he had a great following. But as time went on, what happened was, one by one, they started to become weary waiting for this flood to come because nobody knew exactly when the flood would come. And basically, uh, they started doubting. And they actually, people that once professed that they believed in the vision that Moses, uh, Moses Noah, <laughs> had spoken to them, they became apostate, which means they no longer accepted the vision, and they began to mock, and, and, and uh, as it talks about over there, they scorned uh, Noah. They thought he was a crazy old man. Now, what we know happened was, as they all fell away, we got down to... We got down to there was only Noah and seven other people, seven members of his family, eight altogether, including Noah, that went into that ark and were saved by that ark. The rest of the world perished. Now, first of all, look at what Yahweh did. He did something that uh, required them to go past the ability of their, the, to transcend the abilities of their experiences because he said, he told them that the world was going to be deluged and the flood was going to destroy everything and people had never seen it rain. So they had to believe in something happening that was almost, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, difficult to swallow, so to speak. That the, that the sky was going to open up and all this water was going to come out and was going to drown everybody in the world. Now, that's exactly what Yahweh did. He foretold, he showed Moses, uh, Noah in the vision what would happen. And Noah preached for 120 years. And the only ones that ended up in that ark were the ones that originally Yahweh had chosen to go into that ark of salvation. And they became the ones that were brought over uh, into a new age. Because this took place, the flood, and what we call the... Uh, uh, Antediluvian age before the flood, and and they went over into a new age called the post-diluvian flood, uh, to post-diluvian uh, age, which was the age after the flood. Now, what I'm trying to show you is this: the vision laid the groundwork for their belief, and for for uh, Noah's belief, and when he preached it with full assurance and belief in the vision, that was the righteousness back then that he was a preacher of righteousness. He preached the vision that he saw, that he believed. And those that accepted that belief, accepted that vision, were the ones that held it in their hearts to continue on to the end. And, and by holding it to the end, that ended up being their salvation from that flood. Now, we see a vision was used there with the great flood of Noah. We also know that Yahweh Elohim appeared to Abraham. 
and promised him that he would be the father of many nations because Abraham could not have children. Uh, you know, we know in the beginning that Sarah was barren and eventually she offered her handmaiden, which was Hagar, who was an Egyptian, to bear a son for Abraham. And we know that uh, Ishmael, who was that firstborn son, was the product of an Egyptian woman. Now, Yahweh told them that one that would be the heir would come from his own bowels. Now, Abraham, through this vision, believed in the word that Yahweh spoke. They believed in the promise that Yahweh gave. And that vision was his basis for his belief. And it, that's what he held, held uh, you, you follow, in his heart, that Yahweh, will, Yahweh Elohim will provide this. He'll take care of it. He'll give me an offspring. Now, when it came time that Yahweh Elohim commanded Abraham to take his son Isaac up this mount, Mount Moriah, and sacrifice him there, and we know that that was not an easy thing to lose his only begotten son, because there, uh, Isaac was the begotten in that he was from his, him and his wife's genetic material or makeup. That be made him to be the begotten, only begotten of the father. And in this case... He had to take him up there to sacrifice him. But in his heart, he fully believed that Yahweh would give him back to him. Because when he went with the men to go to the mountain, he told them to wait here while I and the lad go up on this mountain or go further. He said, and we will return again. We'll return again unto you. Now, why would he tell him that if he believed he was going up there to slay his son and he would be coming back by himself? He did not believe that he would be coming back by himself. He knew that that was a child of his promise, that Yahweh Elohim made a promise to him. In a vision, he told him these things would happen. And he believed in that vision. And the result was, the result was that when he brought him up there on the mountain, and, he, and we also know that the whole story of how Isaac asked him, where is the... You know, where is the sacrifice? We've got the wood, we've got the altar, where's the sacrifice? Well, Abraham's an old man now, and his son is a young man. So it wasn't like Abraham started wrestling with Isaac and, and, and overpowered him and then tied him up and threw him up on that altar. His son, when he realized that he was to be sacrificed, laid, willingly laid down his life to do the will of his father. And we'll let him and got, put him up on that altar. But now remember this. Abraham prophesied before this occurred. When he asked him, who, where is this sacrifice? He said, Yahweh Elohim will provide himself a sacrifice. Now we know that that sacrifice was behind him, which means that he had to turn to see the ram that was caught in the thicket. Thickets by his horns that became the sacrifice. And that's because Yahweh Elohim is setting up this type here with Abraham that the sacrifice was behind. In other words, Yahshua, when he came in, 4000 AD, whatever that is, whatever you want to call that, the sacrifice was prepared from the foundations of the world. Yahshua was the lamb that was slain before the earth was created, before the angelic creation was created. Therefore, we have to go and look back. We have to turn and look back to the beginning to understand the sacrifice was always prepared, was already prepared, and was there 
that would be the sacrifice for all of us. So now Abraham is moved by the Holy Spirit, and he's saying these things, that Yahweh will provide himself a sacrifice, and he did not know the purpose of Yahweh. Abraham didn't know that that ram was a figure of Yahshua who would be provided for the beginning, the foundation of the purpose. He didn't know that, but the Holy Spirit is speaking through him, giving him a heart, to believe in the promise, and that his son, that if he did have to slay him, that Yahweh Elohim would resurrect him or give him back to him. Now, these things are the basis of a vision that he is using to cause these things to be set up as types and shadows and allegories pointing to how the purpose has to operate. Now, we know that, for an example, uh, Moses... Moses goes out in the wilderness, as we know, after he slew an Egyptian, went out there in the wilderness and was living a solitude life as a shepherd. And all of a sudden he comes across a vision. The vision is the burning bush. And that bush, the creator, Yahweh Elohim, who was an angelic figure at this point, in that bush spoke to him. And he told him, that he wanted him to go back down to the people. Now, he said, they're going to ask me, what's your name? What shall I say unto them? Now, the vision, the voice of the vision said, uh, you know, you tell them my name is Yahweh, the God or the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this is my name forever. Now, when Moses went down there, he had to preach that name to those people. Now, those people had never heard the name Yahweh. It was never introduced from Adam all the way down to the time of Moses. So here again, he's preaching a vision that was what he saw in a vision, what he was told, and the people were down there, and knowing that they didn't know who this Yahweh was, he had to give them this explanation that he is the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, those people had to follow in that name in order to be delivered out of that land of, of Goshen there, and bring them out into the wilderness. We know that, that they were led out by the name Yahweh. And that name Yahweh, Yahweh provided witnesses to the validity and authenticity of that name by pouring out those ten plagues. Those plagues were Yahweh's hand upon Pharaoh, and even they had to suffer some of those flag, uh, plagues, and then later they were spared from some of the plagues, as we also know. Now, what I want you to see is that name Yahweh became something that was declared down in the land of Egypt. He told Pharaoh in the ninth chapter of Exodus, he said, For very deep for this cause have I raised you up, that my name might be declared in all the world. And at this time I will pour out my plagues upon you. Now, we could go back into the story of Joseph and show how Yahweh set up Egypt for a fall. But I, I don't have time to do all this. So I'm just trying to get across the importance of the vision. The vision gave him the basis for what he preached, what he was saying. And the people had to be under the uh, belief of that vision. Now, if you reject the name Yahweh, stay down there in the land of Egypt because you don't believe in this Yahweh, then you're going to die uh, like the rest of the people that were uh, di dying in, in those plagues, especially Israel, was Yahweh, uh, Yahweh said, this is my son, even my firstborn. If they didn't accept Moses' words when he was getting these visions, and he got a vision, he was told, 
by Yahweh Elohim in the vision to take out a lamb. And we know that that lamb for the Passover was what they had to have, uh, the blood of that lamb around the door and the inside of their house. They had to be a partaker of that lamb in order to be spared from this death of this death angel that was coming. Now that was a result of a vision that that was preached. And the witnesses were provided that those things were accurate. Now, what I want you to see now is this, that all of this is happening down in the land of Egypt so that Yahweh Elohim will get them to that point at the Red Sea. You go, what do you mean, why at that point? Because there, Yahweh Elohim allows Pharaoh to start coming after them, and we know that he pursued them, and Yahweh had to put a pillar of fire between the Egyptians and the people at the Red Sea there to hold back Pharaoh from coming in there and slaughtering them. Now Moses then, because the people were, as it says in your Bible, sore afraid, had to reassure them and say, listen, stand still. In other words, be patient, be quiet. Stand back and be patient and watch and wait. Watch the salvation that Yahweh will show you this day. He introduced now at that Red Sea that the name Yahweh is salvation. That Yahweh is salvation. That was set up. And that whole thing was set up so that Yahweh Elohim would open up that sea and led them in a miraculous way, as far as a manifestational sense, through that sea and bring them up into that wilderness and spare them from the, uh, uh, the, the, the onslaught of Pharaoh and his, and his army. And I want you to see that all this is based on a vision, vision, vision. Now Moses has to go up in the mountain and get a vision there too. And that vision is for him not only after the law was spoken, and we know that Yahweh Elohim appeared at the top of that mountain to Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 elders. Now we know that Moses went up and he received the vision of a building that had to be constructed, which was the tabernacle. Now the tabernacle, for all intent purposes at that time, represented to the people a way of them being atoned for the sin that they haven't even committed yet. Because when the law was spoken in, they all agreed to keep that law. Now we know the very first law that was spoken over in Exodus 20 was that Yahweh did not want them building any, any images or, or, or bow down before them or anything like that. We know that that's the very first law that they broke. The very first thing Yahweh gave them was the very first law that they broke while they were at the base of that mountain, thinking that Moses was burned up at the top of that mountain after 40 days and 40 nights. Now, what Yahweh did is, before they worshipped that, that golden calf, he shows Moses, here's the structure, the tabernacle, and I want you to have it built exactly to specifications that I'm giving you. And in this tabernacle, there's going to be a priesthood, and this priest is going to make an atonement for the sins of the people so that I don't destroy them, so that I don't have to kill them for being uh, uh, for sinning. Now, that, that was provided in a vision. Now, when Moses comes down there and the tabernacle is built, which becomes, in a natural sense, a type of their salvation, saving them from death. That salvation was based on a vision shown to Moses. Now, I mean, we could go on and on, but I want to take this even, when we go into the prophets, Yahweh is continuously 
sending the prophets to Israel to forewarn them about their iniquity and about their disobedience and about things that would happen to them if they refused the vision. Of the, uh, and we know what happened. Yahshua told them over there to the scribes and Pharisees, he said, you're just like your fathers who slew the prophets when they were sent to them. Now, Saturday night, we had a, a, a class in Oceanside. Our scripture reading was Proverbs, the first chapter. In that chapter, he talks about how fools despise knowledge. And he talks about there's going to come a time because you won't listen to me when I stretch out my hand or my arm, you wouldn't grab a hold of it. He said, there's going to come a time when I will laugh at your fear and mock at your calamity. And I will not respond to you when you cry out to me. I'm putting it in my words, but you can read it for yourself. But see, what I want you to see is Yahweh always provides a vision. And the visions are how the doctrine is going to be laid down according to the vision that is shown to these patriarchs all the way down through the Law and the Prophets. The Law and the Prophets then set up the necessity of a vision, why it is so, why a prophetic vision or the people will perish without it. They can't live without Yahweh himself showing his vision. Now, I'm saying all that, and I see I'm down to about six minutes. So let's go over to Isaiah 55, and I think around 8. We'll start around 8, maybe it's 6. I want um, uh, Seeky Yahweh while he may be found. Seeky Yahweh. Isaiah 55, 6. Oh, okay. Isaiah 55 and 6. Seek ye Yahweh while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto Yahweh and he will have mercy upon him. Now listen, listen in this scripture, he's telling them, seek ye Yahweh while he may be found. And listen, he's, and he's, he's encouraging them to repent, to turn from their ways, and he will have abundant mercy. Now, keep reading, because I want to get down to the meat of what I'm trying to work with here. Go ahead. Okay, seven. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. By the way, that's you and me, ladies and gentlemen. You might not consider yourself wicked or unrighteous. But you'll come to find out that just the, the exact case every one of us were in when we walked in the door. We don't know that before we come in the door because we don't know what true wickedness and unrighteousness is. But when you come down here, you're going to learn about that. Now, what I want you to recognize is, is that every one of us, the book says that the heart of man is wicked above all things. And I want you to recognize that every one of us have had a wicked heart and we need a new heart. And every one of us have not been righteous because righteous, true righteousness is the divine nature itself that was within Yahshua the Messiah. Everything about that nature is right. The word righteous is based upon the root word to be right, to be right. And therefore, anything that is not of that divine nature is wrong. And you and I were wrong when we walked in the door. We did not have that divine nature. 
So none of us had any righteousness, and our heart was wicked. Now, this is who he's talking to. He's talking to all of mankind here. Go ahead and continue reading. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thought, and let him return unto Yahweh, and he will have mercy upon him and to our Eloah, for he will abundantly pardon. Keep reading. For my, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Now Neither here he I says, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Now why is that important? Oh, no, don't get it because we don't have time. In First in Peter, or Second Peter 1 and 20, it says, knowing this first, that no one has a private interpretation of the scriptures. They didn't come by the will of man, but holy men spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The ones that spoke in those things that are written in the scriptures spoke them as a result of a vision that was given to them. And you don't have the right to interpret it as you see fit. I don't care how intelligent you are. I don't care how reasonable you think you are. And when we hear something, well, I reason that that means this. Your problem is you don't know the mind of your creator. And you take the liberty of thinking you can use your intellect to know the things of Yahweh. Now, the, now it was read today that no man knows the Father, nor does anyone know the Son. Now, we don't have knowledge of Yahweh. We don't know what Yahweh means by what he says using our own intelligence. Now, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Read. Neither are my ways your ways, said Yahweh. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Yahweh's thoughts are so far above our thinking. If you, if you could tell me where's the, what, how far is it to the edge of the universe? Hmm. That's how, Yahweh's thoughts are even higher than that over yours. Now, I want you to realize no man has the right to go in and interpret the Bible and create a religious belief and doctrine over it based on their carnal mind and their thoughts. Unless the creator himself gives you a divine vision and then causes you to understand the vision, which is the revelation, you haven't got a clue what is Yahweh's thoughts and ways and setting up doctrinal uh, uh, aspects of what you believe to be true, what you think is right. Every one of us have to believe in the vision. We have to learn how this vision instructs us and teaches us the proper way to understand doctrine. And therefore, what I want you to know is that down here when we say that our founder received a divine vision revelation, and this doctrine is coming right from that vision revelation, he also made it clear he said, I didn't come up with this on my own. I'm not smart enough to have ever figured this stuff out. He said, he talked about how that, he said, he used to say, I'm the champion of the idiots. And if I can understand this, anybody ought to be able to. He said, Yahweh showed it to me. And that's the only reason I can tell you about it. Now, I want you to know that it behooves you to come down here and learn about this vision and you'll become convinced the more you check it, the more you investigate it. This truly is a divine vision that came straight from Yahweh. This is the only truth that really is in this world today that will cause a soul to receive salvation. I hope that made some sense. I'm sorry I had to rush it. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm going to turn it right back to the moderator. Peace and Yahshua to all the brethren. 
Hallelujah. We thank everyone who joined us for the North Texas class today. We hold classes every other Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. I would like to ask the class to stay. Nope. Yeah, I won't do that yet. Hang on. May we all stand in our hearts and our minds for the reading of the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless from the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let the class say hallelujah. 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 hallelujah.